Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming, as always. We'll continue with Srila Jiva Goswami's Bhagavat Sandarbha. We're halfway through the 81st Anucheda. We're in Sri Jiva Goswami is using the revolu- revelation experienced by Srila Vyasadeva after he was despondent for for not not touching the heart of the matter uh, in the presentation of Vedic knowledge into Kali Yuga. He translated everything, but he was still, after all that service, he was feeling incomplete. So, as you know, the story goes, uh, Narada, his spiritual master, told him the reason for his despondency. And in revealing that reason uh, for his despondency, Jiva Goswami uses that revelation as further evidence to the fact that the Bhagavan conception of the Supreme Absolute is more complete than that of Brahman. That it's so complete that it attracts even the Paramahansas. So again, we see this push by Srila Jiva Goswami to establish uh, by continually pounding the post of uh, logical conclusions and Shastric evidence, establishing beyond any doubt that the Bhagavan conception of the Absolute Truth is the one that is most satisfying to the self. Although Srimad Bhagavatam speaks of a three angles of vision when it comes to Advaya Jnana, that non-dual understanding of spirituality, still there are gradations as far as the completeness of those conceptions of the Absolute and gradations as far as the fulfillment of the, the satisfaction of the practitioner. There is a distinction. So Srinar further clarifies this. So we're quoting from the first canto, fifth chapter, uh, where the whole discourse as to Vyasadeva's despondency is dealt with in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Nice karmyam Apsyutsuta bhava varjitam nasobate jnanam alam niranjanam kuta puna sasvad abhadram isvare nacharpitam karma yad ap yakaranam. Even knowledge that is pure and free from bondage to action is without beauty if devoid of devotion to the infallible Lord. What then can be said of action, which is always inauspicious when not offered to the Lord, even if performed without any motive? This is Narda speaking to his disciple. 
Srila uh, Vyasudeva. Jiva now quotes from uh, Sridhar Swami's commentary to this verse in the Srimad Bhagavatam. The word niskarmina, I'm sorry, miskarmna, miskarma, devoid of action or the consequence of action means Brahman. And the jnana that is characterized by freedom from bondage to karma because it is of the same nature as Brahman is known as Naiskarmya, liberation. The word anjana, literally meaning tincture, anjana, is that by which one is colored or corrupted. It is used here in the sense of an apati or an artificial designation of the self. The gyan that eliminates all such artificial designations is known as naranjana, near, without, any mixture, tincture. Uh, it's not mixed with anything, so naranjana. Uh, otherwise, on the... Otherwise, there is some mixture in our consciousness. Our consciousness is not naturally pure when in contact with material nature. It's, it's influenced either by goodness, passion, or in, ignorance to different degrees. And that's a new party on the self. The self is relating through false ego. And that's going to be brought out in more detail as we progress here. Um, and what we see is the, the basic understanding of spiritual life that we've come to know over some decades of practice, uh, the simplest of co concepts uh, become profound revelations the deeper we enter into the philosophical understanding of the Bhagavat. So you're not that body. Okay, I can buy into that. But what exactly does it mean to think you are that body. How do we think we are that body? What, what exactly is going on? What is happening with the self, which is at a certain point in its cycle of existence without Upadi? When the Supreme Lord withdraws uh, the entire material cosmos, then we're in a state of suspension, suspended animation, and suspended consciousness. At that time, nothing is influencing us. And we go through a similar period at the end of every Bra uh, day of Brahma. So we get to rest a lot. In fact, we rest more than we're active within material existence. If we're active, Half of the time, on a daily basis, and half of Brahma's life, we're resting. 
Every at the end of every day we're resting. At the end of every one of our days we're resting. At the end of every Brahma's days we're resting for the length of Brahma's night. And then at the end of every creation we're resting again for what's equivalent to Brahma's life. The hundred years he's uh, we're we're more inactive than active within material nature. Even this type of gyan is without beauty. So the the knowledge that eliminates all such designations. Well, it's good to be without designations because unfortunately designations end up in results that. Well, they're they're first of all not ourselves. So we're relating, and 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 taking on characteristics they're not even our our the true nature of our being our our real self I'm a man I'm a woman I'm old I'm young I'm this that I'm another thing you know goes on unlimitedly so these upadis they cover our vision like a tincture that's the point being made here by Narda but even if with knowledge you can remove remove these upadis, you can re you can remove this covering of your vision, your spiritual vision. Uh, still, it's not completely satisfying. So Sridhar Swami continues, even this type of knowledge that removes these, these misconceptions, these associations, is without beauty. It's not, not a beautiful thing if devoid of devotion to the infallible Lord. There has to be some central focus on the other side. Otherwise, you might as well stay on this side because there is the semblance of love. So would you be would you rather have would you rather be loveless or have a semblance of love if you can't have love itself? Something to consider. That's why some transcendentalists, especially Vaishnavs, say better to be a materialist and have some some sense well some senses and some interaction with senses and some sense of appreciation than to be than to strive for a for an existence of senselessness in Brahman. What's to be experienced in Brahman? And this comes out in the Brihad Bhagavatamrita, uh, just before Gopakumar is about to to take uh, to Vaikuntha, there's there is uh, he wants to know what is liberation. Imagine he's been Indra, he's been Brahma, but he doesn't know what liberation is. So he's confronted with the fact that. All there's liberation, and you can leave the material world altogether. 
well, explain this to me. What does this mean? So the various scriptures sit him down and begin to explain what the value of liberation is. And at one point, the Bhakti Shastras, well, first they cover their ears because there's such glorification going on of liberation. And they're like, wow, these other Shastras are missing the point. You know, they're they're glorifying liberation like it's something really great. It's not really that great. It's the other side of the material coin. Either you're involved or you're not involved in material existence. But there's nothing in liberation that's that's it's really not that wonderful. So they first cover their ears and then then they just give up, get up and leave the assembly, like the, the, the Mahapuranas, Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, you know, the, to, the topmost Upanishads. They just, uh, we, we don't want to say anything bad to these other Shastras, so we'll just leave. Because there is, what they're saying is certainly, they are Shastras. So what they're saying is Shastric and it's really not our our position to put them in their place because they they have their duty to perform and they have their followers who gain benefit from what they have to say. So don't want to you know out of humility they leave. Gopakumar's like oh, you know invites them back and then they start explaining. Really, bhakti in comparing to liberation. There's no comparison. It's, 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 there's millions and trillions of times more enjoyment to the self in bhakti, in prem, than can ever be experienced, even in liberation. What to speak of in material life? And that's what Narada is basically getting across to Vyasa. You didn't bring this out. You gave them all the Shastras, but you didn't bring this out. You didn't bring out this important point, how much more pleasurable to the self bhakti is than, than liberation. You gave all the Shastras whereby Artha, Dharma, Kama, and Moksha are fully dealt with, and you touched upon the Bhakti Shastras, but you didn't put them, you didn't extol them to a point where humanity at large would be just overwhelmed with the with the prospect of entering into a relationship with the Supreme. So it was quite a profound revelation that Vyas went through. He followed he was given mantra and he chanted mantra and he got a vision and he realized, wow, I really forgot. Well, there was a reason for that forgetfulness. It was planned because he gave us the most most glorious presentation of the Bhagavat Purana uh, as a follow-up to this revelation. So even this type of knowledge is without beauty. The knowledge of Brahman, the knowledge you're not the body, the knowledge that you're covered by Upadis. It's, it's not, 
it's not really that satisfying is what's being said if devoid of devotion this means that it cannot give complete and direct apprehension of the truth that lies beyond the purview of the senses it can give an incomplete not the fully complete it's not that it can't give anything it can give something but it cannot give you the everything Sridhar Swami continues this being the case how can karma have any beauty in it if unoffered to the Lord the adverb sasvat always qualifying the word abhadra inauspiciousness means that kamya karma goal-oriented action is always inauspicious now if you have non-goal-oriented action that's okay it's not going to do much for you but worse than that Sridhar Swami is saying is if you have goal-oriented action because both sides of that equation don't end well if you get what you want then your desire to have it simply increases and you're drug into a continual cycle of unending aspirations for more and more satisfaction. So that's the result of getting what you want. You get what you want and you just want more of it. So it's like a heroin addiction. Chocolate falls in a special cat. <laughs> no. But, you know, chocolate won't kill you. <laughs> heroin, that will kill you. So you take heroin and then you just want more. And then you want more and then then it completely consumes your your consciousness you have to continue to supply yourself with it because it's so pleasurable and the kumaras too they just want it they got an anxiety that they wouldn't be able to get more with krishna that's after they got krishna correct yeah. right the vibachari bhav the first one that they experienced in praying. So the story goes. The adverb sasvat always, qualifying the word abhadra, inauspicious, means that karmakanda, goal-oriented action, is always inauspicious. But in the stage of practice, both in the stage of practice and upon achieving the result, the word a karana without motive refers to a karma karma, a kamya karma, or action that is free of material desires. The word sha also is connected with the word akarana and indicates that even karma that is free of material motive is without beauty. Again, same thing. Karma itself is without beauty. If unoffered to the Lord, 
Because it is not directed toward the Lord, it cannot purify the heart. Here ends Sridhar Swami's comment. And Jiva adds a little note here. Alternatively, Naranjana means knowledge even without any upadis. As this verse is highly regarded, Sri Sutta repeats it in the concluding section of the 12th canto. So this particular verse, Naiskarmyam apjuchuta bhava varjitam nasobate janamalam naranjanam even knowledge that is pure and free from bondage to action is without beauty if devoid of devotion to the infallible Lord. So Sutta Goswami quotes this verse twice in his discourse in the Bhagavatam, both in the first canto and in the twelfth canto. Yes? I'm not clear as to why karma does not contain beauty. It's not offered to Krishna. Yes. Right. So why well, because Krishna beautifies it. How beautiful is karma if it doesn't have Krishna? If you're giving the results of activity to yourself, like you want elevation to the heavenly planets, then what's the ultimate result of that? It's going to bring more desire for elevation or material satisfaction. And from the transcendent point of view, that's not it's not going to end well because you're never going to be fully satisfied. And the only thing you can do is give up the desire. And then you're going to be, you know, then. So that's the point being made. An interesting comment here. Even unmotivated knowledge is not beautiful, nasobate, as it cannot give perfect realization of the absolute. Okay, even unmotivated knowledge you don't have a, a motivation in your knowledge um, it's like karma unmotivated karma or motivated karma so even knowledge that's unmotivated if you don't if you if you're simply engaged in shastric study but you have no aspiration to take something from it like I'm, I want knowledge so that I can attain liberation. That's the primary objective of knowledge for the spiritualist. Let me acquire gyan, knowledge, and by that knowledge I can become liberated from material nature and attain the nature of the self, which is free of upadis or of material desire. It's like it, and what it's an interesting analogy used here. It's like a servant who has knowledge of his master, but renders no practical service. So you have knowledge of your, you know, of your master. Um, but renders no practical service. Narda continues his discourse. So Sri Narda concludes in the final pair of verses. And in the final pair of verses, he delivers 
mantra to Srila Vyasadeva. Om Namo Bhagavate Tubyam Vasudevaya Dimahi. That's how the verse begins. I meditate upon and offer obeisances unto you, O Supreme Lord, who are Vasudeva, Pradyumna, Sankarshan, and Adiruddha. A person's vision attains completion by reciting this mantra and thus worshipping the Lord of sacrifice who is without material form but who does have the inherent forms invoked in the mantra. So Narada is instructing his student. He's, give, he's delivered the mantra to his student and he's instructed him in its significance. In the mantra is the form of the Lord. So Jiva Goswami elaborates upon it in the Anucheda. Mantra Morti. Morti of the Lord. Form of the Morti. Means either having the inherent forms invoked in the mantra. You chant the mantra and the form appears. It's invoked. Or that the mantra itself is also a form of his. A mortika, who has no material form, means who has no form other than the one stated in the mantra. He's referring to a word in the verse. Or who is without any material form. Alternatively, since the Lord's form, murti, is non-different from his swarup, a mortika simply means that the Lord's form, Murti, does not exist separate from him. As in the case with material objects, such as the statue of a person. The person who worships the Lord with this understanding is awarded complete vision, because the complete absolute Bhagavan is the sole cause of his own complete self-revelation. So these Verses, these two verses explain the practice of bhakti. Are given initiation, you receive a mantra and you advance in devotional service under the guidance of the spiritual master and by the blessings of the murti of the mantra. He says that one can attain, Narada says, complete vision, samyag darsana, by the process of chanting the Lord's names, which is indicative of other limbs of bhakti. In other words, it's one complete process. It's not just the chanting, but if you're only to perform one practice or one limb of bhakti, the chanting would be uh, the most uh, efficacious. If you had... That isn't to say that the nine processes of bhakti, they're all, they all can lead to perfection. But there's a reason it starts with shravanam, kirtanam, vishnu. Hearing the mantra. Yes? Because the name form and pastimes are contained within. Everything's mantra. contained in the mantra, yes. And the other, not so much Well, it's, 
because it's all coming through the because of the direction and through uh, the direction of the guru there's some equality in the action all these all the nine limbs of devotional service uh, you know are, are done under the direction of the spiritual master so they all have efficacy in helping us advance in devotional service we're not really taught that we discriminate between one and the other do this we do the needful so to speak uh, but we notice by observing the sadhus in the tradition that uh, at a certain point after having gone through sadhana bhakti and purifying their actions, we first purify our actions and control our mind, then we come to a stage, bhava bhakti, where uh, primarily the practice is one of chanting, hearing, remembering, become absorbed in the, in the holy name. We enter into a state of samadhi and uh, Sri Narada describes the Lord as Mantra Murti, a one whose form is invoked in the mantra. But this mantra must be received from a genuine guru. Otherwise, it will not be effective. If the above process is undertaken, one will be awakened to Samyak Darsana, or complete vision of the Absolute. So a little should be said in this regard. We hear in Scripture that... Of course, the Lord is completely independent and his name is the same character as his own. It's completely independent. Uh, and the Lord's name is simply as, you know, as powerful as the Lord himself. It's no difference. So one would say, well, what's the necessity of a guru since the Lord is, you know, he doesn't discriminate He's equal, equal posed, he's equal poised, he's equal to everyone. Um, and his name is equal to himself. So therefore, chanting his name, uh, and even in some sections in the scripture it says chanting the name is, is, is beneficial to everyone. But we have the qualification here and throughout the scriptures that one needs to take shelter of the bona fide spiritual master in order for the process to be uh, fully effective. So the point being made is it's not that anything is taken away from from Krishna's fully full independence and Bhakti's full independence and and the efficacy of the Lord's holy name uh, and its complete nature of transcendence uh, when the scripture recommends that one takes the bona fide spiritual master. It's something like there comes a point in even uh, as one advances in devotional service where they no longer require 
to follow all the rules and regulations. They're free of material nature, so what what do they care if they have a a, a sacred thread that they chant a mantra? Like Sukadev Goswami, he just wanted away from the house. He didn't want uh, he didn't want any knots, even those knots that are beneficial for the majority of us to make advancement. The knots in the cope and the knots in the Brahman thread. Those knots are good. But at a certain point, for someone like Sukadev, he sees even those knots as impediments because he's free. So there comes a point in self-realization where the practitioner, he doesn't need to practice. He doesn't need to have, you know, uh, to follow all the details and detailed rules and regulations. He's already liberated. He's liberated in his, uh, in his practice. So it's a similar situation when we look to the fact that still, out of a sense of appreciation, um, they lead a regulation, regulated life in order to give some example. So similarly, there's, there's, some, there's some likeness to that in the beginning stages when one follows the rules and regulations under the direction of the guru. But one never gives up the guru in the devotional lines of disciplic succession. We, we never give up sadguru. Uh, there's never a time when we don't want to hear more and more <laughs> about how we can serve uh, more and more wonderfully. So the point I'm trying to make is it doesn't undermine the efficacy of the holy name that it needs to be taken through the channel of the bona fide spiritual master. It doesn't undermine that at all. Uh, it's, it's the way the way that it becomes most effective and the only way it does become effective. Uh, Krishna allows his mercy potency to enter into human society through the transparent via media of his pure devotees. Uh, that's, that's his methodology although his name in and of itself is effective enough to do, do the job on its own, he doesn't, that's not the way that, uh, that spiritual life is presented uh, within the material realm. So now, Jiva Goswami continues. He's... He's, he's used the example of, of Vyasadeva. He's used the example of the Kumaras. 
he he's continuing to make make the point clear that the Bhagavan conception is the most complete. That even these re realized Brahmanandas, Brahmanandis, these uh, Brahmavadis, uh, there's still something that attracts them. And uh, and it's trillions and trillions of times more satisfying to the self than simply Brahman realization. So Jiva continues with a quote with, with a quote of a very popular verse in this regard. His next Anucheta. Atmaramas render service to Bhagavan, even the self-realized. In this way, it has been shown that the degree of completion in the manifestation of the Absolute is determined by the completeness of the vision of the worshiper. On this basis, it has been established that Bhagavan exceeds Brahman in completion and inclusivity. This will now be further discussed through other indicators. So he's given us some indicators in the lives of the Atmaramas. So now he's going to he's going to give additional indicators. Sri Sutta Goswami describes the completeness of Bhagavan on account of the excellent of excellence of one specific quality, namely his ability to captivate the attention even of an Atmarama, a liberated being who delights in the self alone. So this one quality, the fact that the that this the liberated, the Jivan Mukta, someone completely satisfied in their self is attracted to Bhagavan. Sutta Goswami uses that as uh, one of the excellences of, of Bhagavan realization. And he does so in the first canto. Atmaramas chamunayo nirgrantha ap varukrame the sages, though freed from the knot of ego and though delighting in the self alone, engage in causeless devotion to Sri Krishna, the majestic player. Such are the entrancing qualities of Sri Hari. Again, Jiva quotes Sridhar Swami's comments. Nirgrantha means beyond the rules and regulations of the scriptures, as stated in the Gita 2.52. When your intelligence has passed beyond the impenetrable fortress of delusion, you shall become indifferent to all that has been heard and all that is to be heard. Alternatively, Grantha means the knot of attachment. Aranti and Niraratha means whose knot of attachment has been severed. 
a doubt is raised. Why, but why do such liberated beings perform devotional service? To answer all such doubts, once and for all, Sri Sutta says, indeed, such are the qualities of the Lord. Here ends Sridhar Swami's comments. So we have the author. We have a son, Sukadev Goswami, who's the prime speaker of the Bhagavatam. That's why Vyasadeva ran after him. He knew he's a Jivan Mukta, but there's more. There's more. And it's wonderful. It's beautiful. You're running away. You don't want to get wrapped up in household life. You've been in the womb for how long? You've done all you can, and finally you 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 come out, and you you run away from home, thinking that there's nothing in a household that will be beneficial to you. In fact, the only thing there in the household is material attachments. But Vyas, they've had more to give to him, so he runs after him. Wait. Wait, what about Bhagavan? You know Brahman, but you know Bhagavan? Well, he he was gone. He didn't get a sacred thread. He didn't get any instruction from his father. Uh, Vyasadeva knew he had the highest realization that one can have of the self. He knew himself. He knew he was he he was completely liberated from material existence. So he knew that. It was the quality of his son. Uh, so Sunaka Sunaka is being he's one of the sages Namasharanya and he's 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 inquiring from Sutta Goswami um, why did Sukadev Goswami go on to study Srimad Bhagavatam? Why did he do that? He was already self realized. And Sukadev, I mean Sutta Goswami quotes this verse, he recites this verse as evidence as why it was necessary. Even the Atmaramas, those that are self-satisfied, they are attracted to the Supreme Lord's beautiful name, form, qualities, pastimes, Leela, associates, residences. They're attracted to all these things, even the Atmaramas. For their attention to be drawn to Bhagavan is only possible if his qualities are transcendental and more highly captivating than Brahman. If they weren't, if they're just more of Brahman, if it's the same old Brahman, you know, then why would they, they already know Brahman. They know their self. They're already completely content in the self. So why would they be attracted to verses about Bhagavan if it wasn't more if there wasn't more sweetness there, more uh, nectar, amrita. 
Hari, or one who steals the hearts even of those whose hearts have been extinguished in Brahman. That's the last word in the verse. Ithambhuta gunahari. One who takes away. They've already had everything taken away materially. But he has a lot to give also. Any questions? Thank you so much for your association.